A story they're writing today A wall that they're climbing You can carry the past on your shoulders You can start over Welcome to the broadcast of Calvary Chapel, Jacksonville Where the pastor is Pastor Ricky Rueda Grab your Bibles and read along Now here's Pastor Ricky Why don't you guys join me in prayer as we get into this message today? So Lord, we present ourselves to you this morning, Father, nothing but thankful as we take time this weekend to remember, Father, this gift of life that you've presented to us. And so Lord, we ask now that you would incline our ears to hear and that you would even have us consider what it is that you've truly done, Father, over this miraculous set of events. And we ask that you would speak to us and lend us your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so <clears throat> for those of you new here, my name is Ricky, I'm the pastor. And um, as we get into this, if you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Luke chapter one, actually Luke chapter two, and put a bookmark in Matthew chapter two as well. We're gonna bounce around the word a little bit today. <laughs> and please forgive me if I am coughing still a little bit from being sick a couple weeks ago. My cough has not completely gone away, but it has for the most part. No, it's all right. I, hopefully I don't need it. I haven't had uh, that, that really bad cough in a little while. So um, with that, we're getting into Christmas. And actually, can I say first Merry Christmas, everybody? All right, that was way better than Erica's. So thank you. <laughs> Um, we are getting into Christmas, and I'm sorry, if you need a Bible, raise your hand and we will get one to you. And as we get into this, Christmas, while it is a wonderful holiday and a wonderful time of remembrance for the believer, and a time of consideration for those who are not saved, this holiday can be quite a hectic one. It's I think since COVID, the, the, the run and rush of holiday has diminished a little bit, but I think that's just because economically we're a little tighter than we used to be, but the struggles are still there. There are some who, as Christmas would approach this Thanksgiving and Christmas holiday, that it is anything but restful. It comes with major expectations, major traveling, major gifts, major expenses, Lots of time with family, and for some, that's a huge blessing, and for some, it is something else. But it can come with so much anxiety and depression. We can struggle with the poor evaluation of, of others, of our family and our friends. And even when we don't receive a poor evaluation from somebody else, because our standards are so high for ourselves, we can poorly evaluate how we displayed Christmas throughout the year. There is a phrase, though, in the midst of this chaos that I think in the noise tends to disappear, and much like the, the 90s WWJD bracelet, it gets used so much that I think for many it has lost its importance, but that Jesus is the reason for the season. Now, as we consider that phrase for just a moment, I want us to really think about the importance of that. Because if Jesus really is the reason for the season, then it alleviates the chaos that we have 
had had imposed on us or that we have imposed on ourselves. If Jesus is the reason, then what is it that Jesus himself comes with? Well, as we saw these kids share a moment ago, is that these angels would come and proclaim to the wise men, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is well pleased. And so if Jesus is a reason for the season, it is not chaos or evaluation or anxiety or depression that should come with this time. It is peace. Now, for those of you who don't know what peace is, is peace is a harmonious relationship between men. When we're talking on a global scale, it's a harmonious relationship between nations. But more simply, peace is friendliness among people. To be at peace is to know that you are away from or free from acts of violence or displeasure. One might say that peace is a well-rounded word or a well-rounded description for the word rest. And I think if peace is supposed to be what the Christian experiences in this season, then many of us would have to admit, I may not be living in a way that Jesus is the reason for the season. It may be something else entirely. Rest is supposed to be what we experience as we have had hope proclaimed to us by the kingdom of God. Now, while we look at this, something else to remember is that while Jesus is a reason for the season, we can find continued encouragement in the reality that the entire kingdom of God is in cooperation to promote this mission of hope to mankind. This weekend that we're remembering, this is the beginnings of the Father giving us his only begotten Son that he would in a few years lay down his life that we would be saved. This is the beginning of all of this gospel message that many of us have come to adore. Christmas is a wonderful indicator that the kingdom of God is in cooperation to worship God and in cooperation in the mission of saving his creation. So as we look at this, if you guys would like to, we're not going to read from it, but we're going to look at a few different people that are in this Christmas story, first being the person of Zechariah in Luke chapter 1. Now, uh, as we look at Zechariah, or as we consider him, I had an opportunity to actually teach the youth for the Christmas party a couple weeks ago this this tension that exists with Zechariah is that Zechariah was a priest in the temple and he is met by an angel who would tell him that he is going to have a son who would be John the Baptist. But Zechariah in his unbelief would be stricken with being mute until all of this prophecy would come to be fulfilled. And the reason I bring up Zechariah is that many times as we talk about the Christmas story, we forget that Luke chapter 1 is the beginning of the Christmas story. Zechariah is told about the arrival of John the Baptist, and through these circumstances, then Mary would be told about her son Jesus, and these two would come together and celebrate and worship. And this man, the first one we'd look at or consider, is a religious leader whose faith was absent. As we get into this, I want us to pay attention for each of us here 
that in this message of hope, this message of hope wasn't delivered for a single kind of person. This message of hope was delivered for all men. All of those who God would say have been created in whose image? In his image. And so here, a lot of times when we consider salvation, there are some of us in our flesh that might think that this gift of hope is beyond the reach of some individuals. We will find in the Christmas story that it is not beyond the reach of anybody as God is the one doing the saving. And so here, this religious leader whose faith had become absent, he's speaking face-to-face with an angel. And I was joking with the teens about this, is that I can't imagine having, and I'm sure it's within every one of us, I'm sure it's within me at some point, but I can't imagine having a conversation with an angel in the middle of my work day and saying, how in the world am I supposed to believe any of this? What nerve we can have as men to be speaking to an angelic creature and say, no, not so much, I don't believe that. And so he would say, for your unbelief, you will sit silent until these things come true. And as you read through the rest of the story in Luke chapter 1, he would see his barren wife give birth to a son. And he would gain his ability to speak again. And he would prophesy about the things to come. The Christmas story starts with Zechariah, whose hope hope and faith has been restored by the promises and the fulfillment of those promises. But then, as we look at Luke chapter 2, if you would flip with me there, if you're not there already, we're going to see God reach out to the low man on the totem pole in terms of the social society here. And so... If you're with me, in 2 verse 1, would you say amen? It says, in those days, the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and, when all, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, the city, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So we're gonna pause there, just setting the scene, especially for those who are growing familiar with this story. A lot of times when we talk about the Christmas story, we assume because we get it in this short burst version that Jesus or Mary is currently giving birth and as she's giving birth, you have these wise men walk in the door and then you also have these shepherds walk in the door all at the same time and there's this massive celebration party happening here in this area where the manger is. But as we work through scripture, I want you guys to consider is that we're gonna speak about the wise men in a minute, but Jesus has in fact already been born. We're going to see God send the shepherds to worship Jesus. They're going to depart before eight days is over, and then the wise men are going to arrive sometime. So when we think about the Christmas story, if we think everybody has arrived at the same moment, that it has been a miraculous, literal moment of arrival, it's not so much that, but these things have happened over time. So here is Jesus has been born. In verse eight, it says, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, 
and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made it known or they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen it had been told to them. And then at the end of the eight days, he was circumcised. He was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So here, <coughs> as we consider this message of hope today, and as we consider who it is that God wants to instill this message of hope within, we have this religious leader who had had a lapse of faith. One might consider whether he's had it at all, but at least a very, at the very least a lapse. Then we see these men, these shepherds out in the fields. And for those of you that don't know, a shepherd was not necessarily a, a profession that was desired amongst the people. A shepherd was typically a, a social outcast of sorts. They were a little rough around the edges. They weren't necessarily someone that um, anyone would write home about. I'd imagine that a, a shepherd, if the daughter was to bring the man home, it wouldn't exactly be someone dad was thrilled to see this was a poor man's, a rough man's profession, but they were faithful in their work. And an angel gets sent to them as they're watching over the sheep. Now, <clears throat> this first angel comes and they're stricken with fear and they hear this message of hope. And then as they receive it, a multitude of angels comes and I would say, reminds them and teaches them what they ought to do and that they would worship God for this gift that has been provided to them. And, he would remind, and they would remind these men in this message of worship what it is that God is doing for them and that he is extending the ability to receive peace themselves. Now, I don't know how many of you would relate to the low man on the totem pole in society, but you should know that just like these shepherds, God does desire the relationship, a relationship with you. Is that God is even extending here in this moment as you have come to church today for whatever reason. I'm sure there are many of you here who haven't walked in church since last Christmas, but this is another opportunity to be extended a hand of salvation so that you could experience the peace of God that may have been absent in your life so far. 
Maybe there's some of you here who would hear this and you might feel a little bit more in relation to this man than you ever, or these men than you ever have before and you've just walked away from the Lord and you've wondered where this peace you once had has gone. I would remind you that the peace of God resides with him. That there are many believers who have walked away from the Lord and they assume that they can carry this peace of God with them wherever it is that they would go, but you must know the peace of God resides with God. And if peace is absent, we must ask, where is the Lord? And it is not the Lord who has wandered, it is us who has. But still, these men would hear, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom he is well pleased. This is a declaration of God's goodness and what we would receive if we would choose to worship the Lord and notice that these men come and worship with the shepherds. I would notice that, I would note this, the same reason I would have the, the kids note this in the story of Zechariah is God is faithful to provide not just prophecy, but he would provide the evidence to verify what he has said is in fact true. Now, notice here, these men don't worship at the appearance or the departing of the angels. They have been intrigued by the appearance of the angels, but they have gone and taken what they have been told to go see if it in fact was true. These men would leave. They would go find Joseph and Mary. They would find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger just like what they had been told, and they would find out that at the evidence given to them by God that God is in fact true, and then they would worship. We'd find that these men would actually probably be of men, some of the first evangelists, they would go out and proclaim this news that they had been given from God to say, Jesus is here. And we see that as they would go and proclaim these things, that those who heard it would wonder what it is that was happening. But then we flip over to Matthew chapter two, if you would with me for a moment. And we see that God is not done reaching out to those that he has created. <coughs> Excuse me. Matthew chapter 2, we see the wise men see evidence that something special is going on, and ultimately they would see the Son of God. Now, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, if you're there, would you say amen? It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw the star when it rose, and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all of Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and this is a reference of Micah 5.2, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. 
And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced, <coughs> they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So now we see this, this new set of men that the Lord has reached out to in this yet another supernatural event. And I want us to notice here that as we're speaking about wise men, we're not speaking about wise men figuratively, but these are men who were very well studied. They would have studied the skies. They would have been studying astronomy and some other things. These were not necessarily Christian wise men, but by the world's standards, wise, at least at this moment. And as they're surveying the sky, they see something new that had not been there before. And brothers and sisters, I think we should note this is that this star had not been there previous, and the star is not there currently. This is a supernatural event that has caught their attention, and notice it would say that they would follow this star to where Jesus was. This is not a star by our typical understanding of it. This is something that was literally grabbing their gaze and leading them to Jesus in this moment. Now, as they arrive in Bethlehem, they speak to the king, whose name was Herod, and we see that they would say, hey, there's a, the king of the Israelites is here. Now, Herod, being a wicked ruler and an evil man and somebody who was obsessed with power, hears that there's another king who has arrived, and he would tell them that I want to come and worship him, but we see that Herod actually doesn't want to worship Jesus. He wants to annihilate him. And we know this, and it actually tells us here that Herod was troubled, and it says the people of the city were troubled. Herod had a very hot temper. If Herod was upset or Herod felt slighted by anybody, heads were going to roll. And so here, as the city was troubled at the arrival of a caravan who were coming to worship the king, not Herod, but some other king, there was absolutely a stir in the city as to, okay, well, who's gonna get it this time from Herod? But these wise men would speak with him and they would come to Jesus and then they would do what? As they followed this star and as it would stop over the place where Jesus was residing, they would walk in and they would then do similarly or the same as Zechariah and they would do the same as the shepherds. They would come to worship their savior, their king. As they worshiped, they provided gifts that they came with them. Or the gifts didn't come with them, they brought them. You know what I mean. But these wise men, in whatever amount they were, they brought three gifts, not just three, but three types of gifts. They would present Jesus gold. Now, why would they present Jesus gold? This isn't just an average gift, but these wise men, for some reason, were aware. Who knows whether they were aware of the Old Testament scripture or whether the Lord had given them some kind of insight, but as they would worship, they would pre present their king, their savior, with Gold, which is an acknowledgement of his kingship and lordship over them. And then second, 
they would open and present to him frankincense. This is a recognition of the fact that Jesus is, in fact, God. Jesus is fully man, fully God, and they would acknowledge him in this as frankincense was traditionally burned in the temple as an offering to the Lord, a literal sweet-smelling aroma to worship God, Jesus. Then we would see them present this gift of myrrh. Now, this is the strangest gift. I can't imagine Mary receiving this gift would have a, a moment of comfort at receiving myrrh. Myrrh is typically used as a tool for burial. This is something that was used in a ceremony of death before somebody was put in a tomb because we know, looking at Scripture today, that Jesus was going to die and has died and has risen from the dead. But God has given them the foresight to be able to present this household with what they would need when Jesus would, in fact, die on the cross. Jesus' kingship is acknowledged. His lordship as God is acknowledged. And what he has come to do has been acknowledged in these three gifts. So these wise men came just wise men, but they left wise saved men after. They would bring physical gifts and they would eventually, as they would leave, help extend safety. And I would notice that as the Lord has spoken to these three different individuals so far, as he has given them a message of hope. They have been able to each of them worship and then each of them has been able to contribute to the kingdom of God at the end of their worship, Zechariah would prophesy. The shepherds would evangelize and worship. These wise men would worship, give gifts, and then again, extend safety in not returning to Herod to give up the location of their savior, but they would leave so that Herod would not be able to find him. But then, flipping back to Luke chapter two, We see Mary. And I don't want us to overlook this person. And I, don't, I also don't want us to overemphasize her like the Catholics do. But Mary should still be noted. And I think Mary can be a great comfort to a great many. This is the faithful mother of the story. Mary, as she was beginning to prepare to be married to Joseph, would be spoken to by an angel and said that you are going to give birth to a son. The virgin birth is one of the most miraculous events as if this, because if this did not happen, then none of the events that followed would be true. And so Mary is given this word by an angel. She would celebrate with Martha. Joseph, her husband, who in his faithfulness, wanted to make sure she would not be a social outcast, would do all he could to conceal this situation, but all were comforted by these messengers from God. She, as she gives birth to Jesus, would begin to be absolutely overwhelmed by the evidence of God's faithfulness. Mary has traveled 
to Jerusalem, to Bethlehem, to give birth to a son in what I can imagine is probably the most uncomfortable way to travel, nine months pregnant on the back of a camel that does not sound like a comfortable ride. She arrives in a city, and I'm sure she has been told that she's going to give birth to the, to the Savior of the world, then there must at least be a comfortable hotel on the other side, only to find out that the city is over-occupied, and she is now sitting in the shed in somebody's backyard, having to lay her newborn child in a manger. There's significance in that. God, as Jesus, did not consider it robbery to be made like men. But Mary, in her faithfulness, has not doubted yet so far. And as she's sitting here, who would arrive first? The shepherds, the social outcasts. These would arrive. Now, imagine you, mom. You're not in, you're not in the hospital. Things aren't going well again. The shed is probably the least comfortable place to be. And who is your first set of visitors? A bunch of men you don't know who have just strayed in from the field. I can't imagine Mary's like, this day is going great. That's the last people in the world you want to see. They smell bad. They're not showered. They're a little rough around the edges. These are the Bikers for Christ guys walking in in the middle of a service and being like, hey, what's up? Love those guys. But this is the look of what's going on right now. Imagine the shock on Mary's face as these men come in. But they don't come in just to cause a ruckus. They come in to worship the baby whom she has just conceived. She begins to see the faithfulness of God unfold in a way that has happened well beyond her grasp and control. God has been promoting a message to others besides herself and Joseph. These would come in and would be filled with hope, not by her faithfulness. And brothers and sisters, can I encourage you in that? Is as we look at the message of Christmas, this message of hope, none of these individuals were inspired by the faithfulness of Mary. They were inspired by the faithfulness of God given and gifted to us in the form of a son. So they come and they see this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes just like these angels told them they would and they would worship and they would leave. And in this scenario, Mary would go and hear them proclaim the news of her son's birth to all of the neighbors. I can't imagine what was beginning to well up within the heart of Mary at this moment. But she would sit quiet. But then who would arrive next? Not more men of the field, but a caravan that has captured the attention of all of Jerusalem and the hierarchy within it. They're not lost. She's not providing directions for them to go somewhere else. This caravan has arrived for her son. And these rich men, they walk into this place, again, not worshiping Mary, but worshiping the baby who has been born. And God, in his faithfulness, would provide them this family who is facing a less than ideal birthing circumstance with everything that they would need for the coming years. These wise men would find themselves on bended knee at the feet of a baby who would be their salvation. This faithful mother was used tremendously by God for doing what? 
parents in this room, whether you have them biologically, whether you have them by adoption, or whether you have them because a family has grafted you in, God used Mary, and this is for all the mothers, fathers, again, aunts, uncles, friends, whatever it is, God used Mary in her faithfulness to do the motherly task. God has not overlooked her in this moment. But as all of these things happen, I would have us look, again, we're in Luke chapter two again. What does it say of her? Verse 19 of chapter two, if if you're there, would you say amen? But Mary treasured up all these things and pondering, and she would ponder them in her heart. Brothers and sisters, I think a lot of times when we consider the gospel message, when we consider how it is that we're supposed to serve, we assume that faithful service comes in the form of a pastor or an evangelist. We assume it comes in this um, extraordinary way of serving, but Mary serves in this way that is so often overlooked, not just by the community, but even by the church, and that she was being a faithful mother, being comforted by God in her work. And that as she was serving faithfully, the Lord overwhelmed her heart so that she would be encouraged. Not so that she would be encouraged to be a teacher. Not so that she would be encouraged to be a pastor. Not so that she would be encouraged to be a fill-in-the-blank. Mary was a faithful mother. Brothers and sisters, as we look through this text, what we see God do through and through as he reaches every kind of man so that all of them would be given a message of hope knowing that God loves them. And it doesn't matter who you are in this room, you should know that this religious type needed to be given a message of hope. This downtrodden type needed to be given a message of hope. These rich wise men needed to be given a message of hope. And then the mothers and the parents needed to be given a message of hope. And God reached out an extended hand to every single one of them. Christmas is a message of hope to every kind of man. The religious, the rich, the wise, the poor, the outcasts, the overlooked, and the family. And while we can tend to remember when we speak of gifts of Christmas, we can remember the story literally says gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But what we ought to remember is the hope that we're supposed to have, is the hope that we're supposed to promote, the hope that we're supposed to communicate to anybody that would hear, the hope that we're supposed to communicate to our children so that they would grow up and remember that Christmas isn't about the tangible physical gifts, but is about the most important spiritual and everlasting gift of salvation given to us by so great a love as this. This gift was portrayed in something as small as a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. It would eventually be portrayed as the death on the cross. And then even more so, it would be portrayed in glory as he would be ascending into heaven. Christmas is such a wonderful holiday 
as all of us can be encouraged that God loves all of his creation. Now, I would note this. We've talked about this before. Not all of creation are considered God's children. The title of child is reserved for those who would on bended knee worship and surrender themselves to the Lord. But out of his love for those who are unsaved, he is extending this message of peace and hope so that we could be called child. You are dearly loved, but you may not be his child yet. And can I encourage you, if that is you today, that doesn't need to go on for another moment. If the peace of God is something that you would hope to have, put your faith and trust in Jesus right now. Life comes quickly. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. God has given us his example so when we read through his word, we would be encouraged and know no matter what the world says. And the world does a wonderful job of telling you, telling the unsaved that God can't love them. That's not true. The word says otherwise. The deceiver does an amazing job of reminding you of all your sin that separates you from God. And you know what? Your sin currently absolutely does separate you from God, there's, but there's nothing you can do about it. Jesus did all the work, and if you would call on the name of Jesus, there is nothing that would separate you from him. Brothers and sisters, if anything, today, saved or unsaved at the very least, Take these things and ponder them. Consider the faithfulness of God. Consider his abundant love. Consider his great gift of salvation. And even in Mary's circumstance, Mary and Joseph, consider his gift of provision. They would lack for nothing. So with that, as we bring the service to a close, it's short as we have kids in here today. Would you stand with me as we pray? Melissa, can we close out in one more song? Don't know where she is. I don't even know if she's in here. Maybe, kind of, yeah, there. Thank you, ma'am. And as we always do, I'll be up here with the other pastors and we're available here for prayer. The word tells us, and I want to remind you guys again, as we often do, the word encourages and commands the church that if you have needs to come and ask for prayer. It's not because I possess anything, any ability to resolve your situation, but that we would all petition together to the Lord for him to meet our needs. But then also for those who don't have an immediate need or who are not ill, if the peace of God is something you desire, please, we would love to pray over you and with you. We'd love to step into the season of discipleship so that you could get to know who Jesus is. But we're up here for prayer. Don't let the enemy convince you that you don't need it. We all need prayer, amen? I was weak. We all need prayer, amen? All right. If you whispered that, you need prayer. So let's close out and worship together. Lord, we come before you thankful for another year. Lord, 
and another opportunity to consider your faithfulness. Lord, we take time to remember this gift of salvation, not that it was owed us, but Father, but that you desired it. Lord, we don't deserve this kind of grace and this kind of mercy, but Father, out of your great and abundant love, you've chosen to give it. To give it. And so, Lord, I pray that you would refresh our spirits by that. That, Lord, we would come to know again this morning and even today and this weekend what the peace of God is. That we would put all the other things on the back burner and put them by the wayside and keep our gaze wholly focused on you so that, Lord, this peace and rest that we are supposed to have would overwhelm our souls. And, Lord, I pray that if there's any here Father, who peace has been absent until today, God, I pray that you would give them the faith to call on your name. The Lord, you would give them the boldness to cry out to you, knowing that, Lord, you are faithful and able and good to save. And that, Lord, I pray that you would remind us that, Father, even in salvation, as we are called into this kingdom with you, that, Lord, we are also called to be in cooperation in this mission of saving. The Father, you would give us the opportunity to celebrate with those who would come to know you. That you would make us eager, like the shepherds, to share this message of hope so that everyone would come to know that, Lord, you are good and that you are alive. So, Jesus, we lift all these things up to you. And all the saints agreed and said, Amen. Amen.